Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the seventh Sunday of Easter for the week of May 16th, 2021. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. And I'm just excited that we are in this ending season of Easter. We're in this part of the year where in the Northern Hemisphere, you're having life come to life. And it makes a little bit easier for us to understand this Easter season that We have things re-coming back to life and being able to walk then through the end of this Easter season where we're seeing life and understanding that from the death of Christ, our life came into being in a new way. That the Spirit of God then being able to stir within us and because of death being conquered, that 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 has brought forth new life for us. And that's easier to picture when we're having just new life being around us more and more. But it also kind of leads a little bit into what we talked about last week and the Twitter question, which was, how well are we tuned into the noise outside of us, us being defined as human beings, and how well are you tuned into the tongues outside of the human tongue? The idea of how well are we actually connecting outside of the human element? How well are we actually looking and connecting with the broader scope of what is going on outside of us? And I think it's a very personal question. It's a very difficult question to kind of quantify. I think it's something as human beings, if I had to try to quantify it for all of us, I think we have in certain ways good understandings in certain regards of things, but it doesn't necessarily fall through in good understanding of then what should we be doing. And I think that's what makes it difficult at times, being able to understand and realize and rationalize what all is being done at different points and different things within time. But it also gets into what we will talk about a little bit further this week as we get into it. But before we do that, we have to jump right into our text for this week. The first reading coming from Acts chapter 1, verses 15 to 17 and 21 to 26. So this is kind of setting the stage here that we have the believers coming together here. This is shortly after the death and resurrection of Christ and that we have a group here of believers. They're saying about 120. And then what we get into is how then the disciples decide we need to continue this symbolism of 12. We need to have 12 disciples. We've lost one of them with Judas. So they're casting lots for Joseph called Barabbas, also known as Justice and Matthias. And they're casting lots for them and Matthias gets chosen. But this moment of transition that we're having here within the ministry of figuring out what is the church going to be about? What are the disciples initially going to be about? What is this group of believers really about in this moment, even as they're then adding in the 12th disciple? The psalm this week is Psalm 1, all six verses of it. And I think this is just kind of an interesting, especially when we look at verses 3 through 5. 
that looking at how trees planted by streams which yield fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither and all that they do they prosper. So this tree that's planted in a good area, an area we'd expect good growth and look, this is what it's doing. It's providing, it's providing fruit. And yet, then we get into verse 4, the wicked are not so, they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff being protection or these different parts around the seed, especially in like wheat or something of that nature. Therefore, the wicked cannot stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So this idea of at times we have to be able to let go of these things around us to be able to let the seed grow. The chaff is at best just some additional nutrient for the seed to actually grow. The chaff is not there to be this consistent protection around the seed and is not this design thing to be able to move forward with. It has to be let go of and move into a phase of transition to be able to grow. So this is a really interesting psalm that way. The second reading this week is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 9-13. through 13. This is an interesting one, especially based off of what we've been talking about with 1 John, where it's love, 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 love. And it's this interesting pivot point clarifying if we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. And understanding that what God did, yes, the love of that, but rationalizing that that's the testimony of life that bring life to us, that this brings us into a new phase of relationship with Christ. And through this, that this then changes how we are able to interact with God. And this is the testimony that we should be striving for, not just purely our own human testimony. Great moment of showing, again, this transition that we're getting from human testimony into understanding what God's testimony is and how that transforms how we look at our lives. The gospel this week is from John chapter 17, verses 6 to 19. This is an interesting place to drop in because last week we were in chapter 15 and kind of, again, this farewell discord that we're having with Jesus. This is right before the crucifixion. So this is kind of some of the last things that we're getting from Jesus before being turned over. But I would also recommend at least spending some time looking at chapter 16 because this to me does not feel complete without understanding what Jesus has been laying out to the disciples. Some of them talking about the advocate of the helper of the Holy Spirit that will be coming, laying out kind of this progression of ministry, laying out this understanding that we have to understand that something is greater still coming. Then you put that beside here in chapter 17 of what Jesus is laying out here and understanding that, okay, God, this is what we had talked about from the beginning of time. We are fulfilling what we've talked about. That, okay, we're coming into me stepping into this glory and that we're going to move into this next phase of what we had discussed from the beginning of time. And then also this interesting moment of, in a way, is, and you can debate back and forth, when, especially when you're looking at verse 15, where Jesus is asking for protection from the evil one, that as Jesus is leaving them, is this also because before the Holy Spirit is there, is that 
part of what this protection is. But we have these verses here that were kind of familiar, starting in verse 17. Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified in truth. This understanding that because as things are changing, that yes, we need to make sure that they're taken care of, but it's also to further their growth and further them, but also for what will come. And it's a huge pivot point within the Gospel of John that we're moving into a transition. We're moving into something different. So before we transition on how we bring faith and science together, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I really like being able to utilize that resource and hearing different biblical perspectives from multiple different biblical scholars, along with being able to then have podcasts that are coming from direct professors at Luther Seminary. But the other additional resource that I really like is using the lectionary coming from Vanderbilt.edu. I really like using it for not only looking at the art, but also just being able to look at all the readings in one place. I feel it's really well condensed. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary from Vanderbilt or WorkingPreacher.org, I'd highly recommend both of these sources. If you were paying attention close, one of the things that I kept referencing is transition. And I think that's something that we wrestle with as human beings. We like keeping things the same. And yet we're in a world where things are constantly changing. And rightfully so in a lot of ways. And we'll get into it because there's a lot of biological reasoning behind it. But I think then it's also recognizing that these texts are transition texts. They're texts that are continuing to show that things are changing, things are moving, things are going on, and thus then we need to be able and willing to do that. So let's get into some of the science of this. When we look at an ecosystem as a whole, there's a lot of ways that an ecosystem can change. There's primary and secondary succession. So let's start with primary succession is when you have like an absolutely devastating fire come through an ecosystem and level it. The first plants back, the first things that are re-inhabiting this ecosystem are primary succession, are primary plants that come back. And then we have these secondary succession that come in. And that's when then as the ecosystem continues to develop, we then have these factories that come in to continue to move and change and evolve within the ecosystem. So an example at a minor scale of a secondary would be something like a tree falling in a mature forest. With that tree falling in a small pocket, you have created more light, more rainfall getting to the ground, thus allowing for the possibility for more plant life to grow in that area for trees that have not been able to get enough that the seeds might germinate to grow and be able to get past and grow into this spot that the tree has left. So these secondary succession is showing the process of the forest being able to 
not necessarily heal itself, but continue to evolve and change. And we see this in a lot of areas where there are certain trees that are primary succession that move into secondary succession and a different plant comes in. So one of them that I think about with a swampland is how you have tamaracks, which are kind of an interesting coniferous tree that actually shed its needles. It's one of the few that do that. And in where I have grown up, that moves into black spruce. Black spruce is a secondary that comes in and the tamarack then fall out as it continues to go through this forest succession. But we also have to realize that this can be in differing ways. Like the impact that we can have or something can have on an ecosystem can vary. The difference between a fire going in and devastating an ecosystem and a tree falling are different. And what scientists have kind of come to the conclusion, the hypothesis are, are is that ecosystems need intermediate disruption, or so the intermediate disruption hypothesis. And to be able to set this up and really dive into talking about this a little bit more, we have to talk a little bit about fire. Well, fire is an essential element to many ecosystems. And it's been something that as humans, we have been learning about the gift of fire. Things that it can be both devastating, but also life-giving through fire. So as a grassland, it is essential to have fire come in for bringing it back down to the roots. Not only to provide nutrients back into the soil, through the carbon and all the burning that does bring a lot of natural fertilizer to the soil, but allows the grasses to not get overcrowded. It allows for grasses and herbs to grow, but it also prevents non-native plants and trees from encroaching upon the prairie. If we look at it from a forest perspective, it allows for the understory to maintain healthy, that every so often that the fire comes through doesn't necessarily knock out everything, but it kind of controls that mid-story along with the floor, and it will also probably open up some of the canopy and, like we talked about earlier, allow then for other plants to grow. So this is where then you have different species that have adapted to fire. So An easy example is jack pines. Jack pines, their seed cones will only open with fire. So you can devastate a jack pine forest and there is not a single living jack pine left, but their cones allow for them to have their seeds released and that they then can come back as a primary succession to this ecosystem. You have a lot of flowering and fruiting plants that will flourish after a fire. Because that's how there's great fertilizer from the wood ash and all the calcium, potassium, and magnesium that has been released. And it also allows, because of the wood ash, in areas that have become acidic soils, like where a lot of pines would be, it allows then for those places to kind of neutralize a little bit of those soils, thus allowing for new growth to happen. Another example of this 
is Carner blue butterflies. They're an endangered species, but it's their caterpillars are looking for wild lupin. Wild lupin are most readily available in an ecosystem that just had fire. And if there hasn't been fire, thus it makes it harder for the wild lupin to grow, thus then affecting the Carner blue butterfly. And see, the thing is, is as we've kind of gone through the 20th century, we have learned more and more about this because we had Smokey the Bear talking to us about only you can prevent wildfires. And that's true. A lot of wildfires are caused by humans, both controlled and uncontrolled. And what we learned when you look at the wildfires of Yellowstone because there wasn't any type of burns and how much we had suppressed fire. There was so much debris of fallen trees and dry lumber that was sitting there that when a lightning bolt hit it, it burned thousands and thousands of acres. And it was very, very hard to control and it was a very hot fire. But because We hadn't gone through and maintained and had the occasion of lighting it up, if you want to put it that way, to kind of take care of the understory, to then be able to allow for new growth to come in. It was then devastating. And so thus fire can be an intermediate disruption to an ecosystem if done semi-regularly To make sure it's not just going to annihilate everything and make it so it's just standing timber ready to burn. But that it's in a place where the environment is healthy and looking at it as a healthy tool for this. And then let's look now with using this knowledge and look at our text here. Especially the gospel text. Jesus has been laying out over three chapters here talking about I am leaving you but this is for the better. And we know on this side of the cross part more of it that, yes, it was the Holy Spirit coming to us. Yes, it was God overcoming death. But especially at that time and in that place as the disciples, that had to be extremely hard to understand. And yet Jesus is bound and determined that this is going to happen. He is in this moment of transition that you don't fully understand, but trust me, this is for the better. Trust me, we have to use this fire to burn the understory. It's going to seem wrong because you're destroying things, but trust me, it's for the better. It's for the health of the forest. Because what happens after fire is more biodiversity. More biodiversity allows for a healthier forest, healthier ecosystem. We have to let go of the chaff for us to be able to grow. We have to let that chaff be blown. And yes, it exposes us. It leaves us vulnerable. But also understanding that in that moment, it allows us also the potential to grow. Understanding that it's not our testimony that's important. It's God's testimony that's important. And getting that and embedding it in our hearts, understanding that love and that transcendent love that transforms us into people of God. Understanding that even when the disciples were scared, it was, yes, we have to gather together. We need to be in community. Even though we don't fully get what's all going on in this time, in this place, we have to be together. We have to then figure out, okay, and in this instance, which I still feel is just a very interesting story that we're going to throw the dice or cast lots 
and figure out who this last disciple is and doesn't get mentioned really throughout the rest of the Bible. But this is a moment of transition. I find this very eerie in a lot of ways that this is the text that we're dealing with right now. As we look at, at least here in the United States, with where we are in this pandemic, this last week having the CDC changing some mask mandates, looking at if you're fully vaccinated, how much do you really need to be wearing your mask and the transition that that's going to be in our society. And I know in a lot of ways, there's a lot of push from both ways where, yeah, we're moving back toward whatever normal is while others are feeling anxious about, well, how do we know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't? How do we know that we're moving forward in the right direction? And yet we're still having stories coming out talking about fully vaccinated people still getting COVID-19. We are in a weird transitionary period. I think in a lot of ways, the church in general is in a weird transitionary period where we've done so much online and how are we going to be handling that? How do we handle as we're coming back together the different parts of what the church was and understanding that now we might have an online ministry that's also going and how do we make sure that we're serving those people also? How do we also look at the ministry programs and what we are doing and evaluating what was working and what wasn't working? You see, when you look at this text, the transitions and why I kept pointing that out, why I kept stating that over and over as we were going through these texts, it's not that different than where we're at right now. It's not much different than the world most of the time is transition. And this is where I think, again, that first John text is so important. It's understanding that it's God's will. It's understanding that God is going to steer this. This isn't about us. This is understanding and connecting with God and God's creation and understanding what is God doing? What is God wanting done? What maintenance is God wanting us to do? What things is God then saying, maybe this is the time to let go of this as an individual or as a group? Maybe what are the things where God's saying, the opportunity is now here. Now it's time for you to transition into picking this up as an individual or as a group. That's where we're at. And it's exciting because in a lot of ways, this is like what we're hearing out of the early church. And especially with knowing where we're going next week. Next week is the beginning of Pentecost, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. That's exciting. This transition, this angst, the Ugh, what is going on is both stressful and hard, but also realizing it's going to bring something new. I remember when I worked at a state park in northern Minnesota, St. Croix State Park, and I was there the year after there was a major blowdown. And even a year later, they were still going through and cleaning up. A lot of figuring out, okay, how do we sustainably log all this again to make sure that it's, that it's making the ecosystem as healthy as possible as we're going through. Talking to loggers, leaving some areas so that you can have some more biodiversity. But also, I remember hearing and talking with different people there about how this was also an opportunity 
because of what had happened with areas of the park that they were like, oh, the to really make this into the type of ecosystem it should be, it's going to cost a large chunk of money to actually be able to do this right. Where after the blowdown, it had changed it. It had taken out some of the disturbances that were there. And it's like, well, now we can actually do this type of plan. We can actually make this more into an oak savanna like it's supposed to be in this location compared to where we had the deciduous forest encroaching in upon it. Any of these things that could potentially seen as a something to hurt can also be looked at as an opportunity for us to grow into this new season. That's what's so exciting. And when I'm sitting on this side of the mic and I'm thinking about how much over the last year plus we have talked about how we can look back to people talking about one of the biggest things that was threatening mankind was a pandemic. And how devastating this has been because we didn't do the intermediate disturbances. We didn't do the things to be able to help make this easier. Instead, we got burned big time. And it's been catastrophic in a lot of ways. But it also has then laid down ash with lots of fertilizer for us to possibly grow. Hopefully, it's also been a learning experience for us to understand that there are things that then we need to be looking at and addressing to make it so that we have more intermediate disturbances instead of major natural catastrophe disturbances. But it's also realizing that we can't replant the forest the way that it was. The forest is going to come back and it's going to be different. And that's okay. So the Twitter question I have for you this week is how are you dealing with the transition? And second, what is giving you hope? in the transition? What are the things that you're really excited about in the transition? And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about new growth. I'm talking about finding wild lupin. I'm talking about finding those young jack pines. I'm talking about finding the biodiversity that's going to come from this. Where are you finding that? If we as Christians can come together to understand what that is doing, and to understand the power of what is going on. And heck, not even as Christians, as people. That is when we'll actually have learned from what we have done. We've actually learned of what we've gone through. And we start understanding the value of what has happened to us. The disciples only realized later the value of what Christ had done for them. I really hope that as we're reflecting upon this, that we're finding something similar for us. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.